I've already run into several people who uh, said, I'm so glad you're here. I don't know how Taylor could preach today after that game yesterday. <laughs> and uh, yes, uh, but I saw Taylor and he's taking it fine, so he's doing good. We did have a marvelous Thanksgiving, but it's great to be back with you. This is a very important worship service because we are completing this marvelous book of Ephesians today. We're going to read the last verses of the book of Ephesians. And uh, we ought to be full of anticipation as we go to the end of the letter because the Apostle Paul is going to conclude this, perhaps the most famous letter of all, with his thoughts on the most important things, the things that matter most to him, what he wants to leave his readers with as he concludes the letter. So we are in chapter 6, and I'm going to go ahead and reread the verses that Christy used in our prayer time. This is verse 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Tychicus the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. That undying love is that love we just sang about, the unending love. The word there is immortal, this love that lasts forever. And it was used several times in the verse we just sang, this undying love with which he concludes the letter. So... The apostle says finally in verse 10, in his closing remarks, he talks about be strong in the Lord and the power is might, put on the whole armor of God so you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Then he gets to verse 18 and he says, pray, and then again, pray, and then again, pray. So pray, pray, pray is one of those concluding thoughts of the apostle in this, in this letter. Pray, pray, pray. Pray always, on all occasions. The apostle then wants his readers to examine their prayer life and make sure that they are deliberately, systematically making prayer a part of their life. Always. On all occasions, work it into your habits, work it into your routine, work it into your words, work it into your relationships. Pray, pray, pray. He mentions the word occasion. We are in the holiday season. Lots of special occasions 
coming up. On all these occasions, you can pray. Prayer ought to be occasional as well as constant. So we live in prayer. We live in this dialogue of prayer. We are continually praying, but also we take occasions to make sure that those around us are praying as well and that we are praying with them. So as you have occasion at Thanksgiving or Christmas, make sure that you pray. You can be the initiator of that prayer time. You can say, hey, we ought to stop and pray before we have this feast, before we open the presents, before we read the Christmas story. Let's pray together. On all occasions, pray. That's occasional prayer. And as these occasions come up, as you pile into the car to make the trip back home, you can stop, turn around in your seat to the children and say, children, let's pray for a safe trip. I hope that you do that. It's bringing God into the present. It's making your children realize the Lord is with you as you travel, that he's watching over you, and you can pray for safety on the road, and that God would just bless your trip with love and joy. The kids will behave in the car. They'll be kind to one another. It's a long trip. These are important prayers, all right? And you want the kids to hear them. So pray occasionally, pray constantly, pray always. Pray for all the Lord's people, he says. Uh, We ought to be praying for the people in our small group, for the folks who sit by us at church, for the people who are part of our Care Effect team. We need to pray for the Lord's people. Always be praying for the Lord's people. That's what the apostle says here. So prayer is the first of his emphases. Now, it is important that we put feet to our prayers, all right? That is an ancient statement. Let's put feet to our prayers, which means we aren't just praying, but we're letting the prayer conform our life to that need, to that request that we're making to God so that we can be part of that answer maybe in that prayer. But we don't want to suppose that feet to prayer is more important than prayer itself. They go together, okay? So don't diminish prayer by saying, well, you can pray, but I'm going to go do something. That makes it sound like prayer is not doing something. Well, the scripture says that the fervent prayer of a righteous man gets a lot done. Gets a lot, it avails much. And you can see in scripture that so much is done in prayer. More is done by prayer than this world ever dreamed of. One author said, he said, if prayer is anything, then it is everything. God gets more done with his little finger than all the generations of people can get done in a million years of trying. So don't diminish prayer, even as you put feet to your prayer. In fact, as you go putting feet to your prayer, pray. And God will go with you and go before you. Now, Paul has a specific request for himself as he challenges his friends to hold him up and to pray for him. He says, I want you to pray not only on all occasions, but I want you to pray for me that I may fearlessly declare the gospel. So, he ends up with these emphases. Pray, pray, pray. Second emphasis. 
fearlessly proclaim the gospel. Paul may be the most courageous missionary there ever was. They beat him five times. They stoned him and left him for dead. He was shipwrecked. You li- you've read the list. And yet he tells these Christians at, e- at Ephesus, pray that I will fearlessly proclaim the gospel. So pray for me that I'll not hesitate. I suppose there might have been a time when somebody stepped into the room where Paul was chained to a Roman soldier or to a wall, and Paul was preoccupied and failed to share the gospel, or he was intimidated for some reason by the person that came in, or distracted. Something happened, perhaps, and he thought to himself, my, I should have been more courageous and more bold in my witness, so pray for me that I will fearlessly proclaim the gospel as I should. even chained as a prisoner, that I'll be bold and fearless in my proclamation of the gospel. I wonder if he made this prayer request so that when all of the folks in the church at Ephesus prayed for the Apostle Paul and said, Lord, help our brother Paul to fearlessly proclaim the gospel, I wonder if that had any impact on their own witness. Do you think they could consistently pray for fearlessness, for the proclamation of the gospel from the apostle without getting bolder themselves? Don't you think that prayer would have an impact on you? In fact, if you were to pray for your pastor that he would fearlessly proclaim the gospel as he should, and you did it consistently day after day, and it was part of your prayer life to pray that I would and all of our ministers would fearlessly proclaim the gospel, don't you suppose that it would be on your heart to fearlessly proclaim the gospel too? Do you think the apostle knows that? That what we pray for becomes part of our mental state and condition and motivates us as well? That it's not just the person for whom we pray, but we ourselves who are changed by the prayer. I suppose that if the Ephesians listened to this letter and when they were praying, prayed that Paul would fearlessly share the word, that they themselves were bolder in the proclamation of the gospel. Now, I want you to pray that I will fearlessly proclaim the gospel as I should. And as you do so, let the Holy Spirit speak to you about your family members who are lost, about your friends who need the Lord, about people around you who need the Lord, so that you will take advantage of every opportunity yourself And realize that fearlessness in proclaiming the good news is important for every single Christian. Paul calls himself the ambassador in chains here. Who's that man over there? That fellow's kind of getting old, a little bit withered up, maybe bent over, been beaten a lot of times. I see some scars on him. Who's that guy locked up in jail? Well, he's the ambassador. Oh, he's an ambassador. Yes, he is. Well, who's he an ambassador for? Well, he's the ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. He represents the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ here. And he's an ambassador in chains. Now, some people in chains might have thought of themselves as simply a prisoner and lamented the fact that they were chained up. 
But not this man who continues to fearlessly proclaim the gospel. In fact, he reports that, that the household where he is chained up is changed, changed and many people have come to Christ through his fearless proclamation of the gospel, even as an ambassador in chains. The apostle thinks of himself locked up in that, with chains on his hands and feet as the ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God, that's who he is. You know there's a church in Rome that's called St. Paul in Chains? Have you been there? Some of you have been there, hadn't you? Well, you walk in there and I think it was in a glass case there at the front. I see you nodding uh, because I think Susan was with us when we went in to St. Paul in chains. And there were the chains that some think may have been the very ones that, are around, that were around the hands and feet of the Apostle Paul. And we are willing to slink away from a perfect opportunity and not say a word of witness about our Lord No, the ambassador in chains here is challenging us to maximize every opportunity for the good news of Jesus Christ. So fearlessly proclaim the gospel, all right? Now, the next one is related to that. Encourage one another. He says here as he winds up this letter, I am sending Tychicus to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. It doesn't say here that he may discourage you, right? Paul didn't send Tychicus there to discourage them. He sent Tychicus to them to encourage them. Everybody needs encouragement. You know, discouragement is not listed as a spiritual gift. It, it does talk about the gift of encouragement. It often talks about encourage one another. There is a fellow in the church who was the son of encouragement. That was Barnabas. There's no corresponding person who was the son of discouragement. You probably wouldn't want that label on you anyway. You don't want people walking away from conversations with you thinking, man, that's the most discouraging conversation I've had. That man is discouraging. We don't want people encountering you and you so full of bad news that when they leave, they're just discouraged and depressed. We wouldn't want that to happen. Why? Because you're not an ambassador of bad news. Pray that I'll be the ambassador of the gospel that I ought to be. He is the ambassador and change of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And gospel means what? Good news. He's a good God. He has promised good to us. He has given us good news to share. Let's stop majoring on bad news. Look, if you're majoring on bad news and people leave you discouraged... You're not exactly following in the footprints of the Apostle Paul or Jesus. All right? I know we need to be truthful. And some people need to hear difficult truths. That doesn't mean that our theme needs to be 
the bad news in the world. All right? The good news has embedded in it this bad news that all people are sinners. Every time I share the good news, I've got some bad news that people already know about themselves. They are sinners in need of a Savior. But the gospel means good news, and it's labeled that on purpose. What Jesus Christ came to bring us is good news. What he sent you into the world to proclaim is good news. So encourage one another. Everybody needs encouragement. The Apostle Paul needed encouragement. The Ephesian Christians need encouragement. And the person in the pew next to you needs encouragement. I preached at Epiphany Missionary Baptist Church last Sunday in a community Thanksgiving service out in East New Orleans. Had a great time uh, preaching there to that congregation, which is part of our Association of Churches, our Baptist Association of Churches. And when I got through, I realized as I shook people's hands and they talked to me that they were encouraging me, that they were doing it on purpose, that it was deliberate. This was something they wanted to do. They wanted me to be encouraged when I left Epiphany. And I hope that when you walk in these doors at First Baptist New Orleans, that all through this building there are people who are intentionally, on purpose, encouraging you so that when you leave, you are encouraged, not discouraged. And of course, that's the role and the responsibility of everybody sitting in the pews. We need to be ministers of encouragement. Everybody needs encouragement. I think even Tychicus needed encouragement. You know, Paul introduces him to the Ephesians as the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord. He's, I am sending him to you, this dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord. If I were to, to describe you as a dear brother and faithful servant of the Lord, what would your thoughts be? You might think, well, I try to be faithful anyway. <laughs> Even though I know I don't succeed all the time, right? You might think that, wouldn't you? Dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, Tychicus is just like you. Sometimes he did it good and sometimes he didn't. Sometimes he messed up and forgot. Sometimes he was not diligent in all of his duties. But Paul describes him as a faithful servant of the Lord. You know why I know this about Tychicus? Because he was a human being and sometimes he failed. Paul could have described him in a lot of ways. He could have described him as Tychicus, my dear brother and sometimes faithful servant. And Tychicus might have thought, well, that'd be more accurate. Not the apostle. The apostle wants to describe him in the best way possible. <laughs> Look, just capture this for a minute, dad, mom, friend, spouse. Spouse, husband, wife, capture this for a minute, okay? Speak in positive terms of one another. Use good adjectives. Find you a good adjective that may not describe every minute of every single day of this person that loves you and whom you love, but it is fitting for you to use this adjective because it characterizes their life, their walk, and it lifts them up. 
Tychicus went away from this letter. Maybe he delivered this letter. And when he saw this, I bet it straightened him up a little bit. He might have drew up a little and said, faithful brother, faithful servant of the Lord. Lord, let me be that, okay? Let me be that. See, encouragement lifts people. It builds them up. It helps them see themselves in the best possible light. I had a minister that I worked with that I loved. His name was Tice Jones. And he, over and over again, he'd tell me. He was 60 and I was 35. He said, David, emphasize the positive and minimize the negative. You can use different adjectives about the people who are around you. Sometimes Paul spoke plainly about people. He really did. And he used tough language. I'm not saying he didn't. But for Tychicus and for many others in these letters that are mentioned, Paul uses these adjectives and descriptions that are powerful and beautiful and positive about them. And it's an encouragement to them. It will bless your children for you to use these adjectives of power and strength that lift them up. That help them see themselves in this way as a faithful servant of Jesus Christ. It will lift your spouse. It will lift your friends. It will lift you. To use these words rather than other words you might choose. Be an ambassador of good news. Encourage people around you. Use adjectives and descriptions that lift them and help them see themselves in the light of God's perspective. Paul describes him in this way because this is who Tychicus wants to be. And it's who Paul wants him to be. And he is speaking this to Tychicus so that he might encourage him. Paul says, Tychicus is coming to you and he will tell you everything. He's going to tell you everything. I know you have questions about how things are going for me. He's going to tell you everything so that you may know how I am. The apostle's been talking about honesty in this letter. He said at one place, stop lying to one another. He said, traffic in the truth. Be a person of truth. The apostle sometimes put in his letter things that were pretty sensitive and personal. Do you know one time he told folks in a letter that he'd been depressed? He said in 2 Corinthians, God who comforts the depressed comforted us with the coming of Titus. He described other emotions that he had in these letters that he writes. In fact, as you read the letters of the Apostle Paul, it's like laying your hand on his heart. You can feel his trouble, sometimes feel his sorrow. Sometimes his disappointment, it comes out in his letters. He's trying to be faithful. He's trying to be real. He's asked these people to pray for him, and now Tychicus is going to tell them everything. So you'll really know how I am. We're afraid to be that honest, you know. People say, how can I pray for you? We don't tell them. We don't tell them how to pray for us. We're afraid to let them know. 
how things really are and who we really are and what our struggles are about. We think, oh no, if we tell them to pray for us because this is really happening, they'll think less of us. They'll think less of me if they know I struggle with depression or I was discouraged or confused or disappointed. They'll think less of me. They'll say as they leave me, well, that man's not very close to God. I mean, I mean, look at what he's struggling with. And perhaps they said that of the Apostle Paul. Well, he must have got away from God to be depressed like he was. You know the opposite is true, of course. If you actually open up your heart and are honest with people and tell them how to really pray for you, they will love you more. It will endear you to them. They already know you're human and imperfect and you've got troubles. Sometimes I look around our congregation and I think, Lord, could we have any more troubles than we've got? The sorrows and difficulties and griefs of life, they are present in our congregation 24-7 and universally so. Everybody struggles. Everybody needs prayer. And everybody needs somebody that knows what's going on in their life. So we can really pray for you. Don't you want somebody to really know you? Like you are? To know someone. To let them open the window of their soul and really let you in. And to do the same for them. Is to build a bond of friendship and love. That is powerful. And beautiful. And that pulls you together in a way that wearing the mask never will. You don't want to be known as the guy who always wore the mask. Hey, it's great, and how are you doing? It's always never really let you in. Do you ever know anybody like that? The only way to encourage one another is to actually be honest with each other. Tell me the truth about your condition. It makes me realize that you trust me. It gives me information I need to be of help in my prayers for you and maybe other ways. It deepens our friendship and our love for one another for you actually to tell me what's going on with you. Tell me the truth even if it's difficult to hear. The letters are an example of that. And when Paul gets to the end, he opens up his heart. He says, I want you to pray. I want you to encourage one another. Everybody needs encouragement. And then he ends this letter with these beautiful words. Pass the peace, love, faith, and grace. He passes it on down. Peace, love, faith, and grace. Peace to all the brothers and sisters. Okay. I want you to hear it, okay? Hear the Apostle Paul saying to you, peace to you. Why does he say that? Because it's important. He wants peace. He started this letter with grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He gets down to the end of the letter and he uses grace and peace again. Peace to you, my brother. You've been anxious. That's a human thing. We all are. 
You're worried about whether you're measuring up, whether you're going to succeed or fail. You worry sometimes about how you're coming off and how people perceive you. You have all these anxieties that are in your life. You lay down at night and they get bigger. And sometimes they dominate you as you're just alone by yourself and thinking. And you wonder if you can really get anything done if you're good with anything. Or are you just a total failure? All these anxieties are in your heart. And peace is the opposite of all that stuff. Peace is you not being afraid of tomorrow or how you're coming off. Not being anxious. Peace is you knowing that God will make a way where there is no way. That God will make the rough way smooth for you. That God will bring you to the fulfillment of his purpose that he has planned for you. That these good works that he ordained for you, that they will happen in your life. Peace is you knowing God will win in your life as well as in the world. And he cares for you every minute and every day. Peace to you, brothers and sisters. Can you leave with a settled calmness in your soul, knowing that the peace of God rests on you? Love with faith to you. Paul speaks the blessing at the end of the letter. These words have power. They move mountains. They have a life of their own when they're spoken, when they're written, when they're given to another person. Love with faith to you. Grace to you. You need any grace today? God knows you. He knows your feet are clay. He knows you're made from the earth. He understands your frailty. The things that plague your life, he knows. Grace to you, friend. Leave this place knowing that God loves you. Even though you think of yourself as a mess, God loves you. He loves you unendingly. He loves you powerfully. His love is drawing you to himself. Love and faith to you, grace to you. Peace to you. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit abide on you. Bow with me, please. God, I pray for the anxious that you might bestow a peace on them through your spirit. That they might leave this room with a sense of calm and strength in you. I pray for those who are hard on themselves, maybe even condemning themselves. God, that you might pour grace on their life for the saint who is tired, who got weary in well-doing, 
that you might give them grace, that they might leave this room with grace upon them like a blanket. I pray for those who think too little of themselves, that your love might be real to them, that they might know this love that passes understanding and with faith receive your love as their own. God, I pray that we who struggle day by day to be who we're called to be might find encouragement in you now and that your peace and grace and love and faith might abide upon us as we scatter from this place to face a world that is a mess and really needs you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.